I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Three, a show about Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic, and part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm Gil Gross with Joel Drucker and Amy Lundy. We are on to round two at Wimbledon, or really we're on to round three. Round two is over and done. A lot easier, a little bit easier at least for Federer and Djokovic. They both move on in straights. Roger Federer today on Thursday with the straight set victory over Richard Gasquet. Seven, six, a tie break, and then a six, one and a six, three. Uh, Novak Djokovic with three, six, three sets. And we're here to break it down on three. A a marvelous performance from Djokovic, Amy. Does it get much better than that? He is locked and loaded at the moment. And I haven't even started to dig into the statistics yet to see how this compares with the 2019 Wimbledon because I wanted a larger sample size. But all things seem to be clicking. His serve... Um, his, both the forehand and the backhand, his movement, which he has successfully navigated the early days of the slippery grass. And I think that that's going to even get better for him. So he's locked and loaded right now. They've got him not on center court. They've got him on court one against his next round opponent, which we can talk more about in a bit. But um, I think he's just all systems go right now. Yeah. The uh, the error numbers are incredible. Go ahead, Joel. Well, you know, I think these opponents, I mean, and we can talk about it with both these guys. Uh, uh, I felt bad for Kevin Anderson. I mean, he's a very experienced player who six years ago was up two sets to love on Djokovic. Three years ago, they played in the final. But again, uh, Anderson, between injuries and aging, looked, looked pretty overmatched there. I mean, as long as Novak could kind of get the serve and play, then he was pretty much able to do do what he wanted. And this is also my minor point. This is why I don't like the 32 seeds because I like to see the top players tested more in the early rounds. And Anderson, while of course he's an excellent fine player, I think we, we anticipated this was going to be uh, token resistance and that pretty much what it was. It was kind of like a clock this match, right? 4-3, Novak breaks. 4-3, Novak breaks. It was like, okay, time. It's time. And uh, it was just kind of funny how that played out. But I was I was amazed at the the cleanliness of this match for Novak because, you know, I do think that there was a bit of of cooking the books on one of the match points where I do think Novak made a forehand unforced error. But officially in the stat book, Novak made zero forehand unforced errors for the entire match, and he made four backhand errors. So it was kind of like once they were in the baseline rally, there were zero gifts from uh, off of Novak's racket. Uh, I mean, what, what do you make of that? I, I know, Amy, you don't, you don't like the error stat. And it's, but it's come not on. that I don't like errors. I don't like unforced errors. But doesn't I, that tell you he, he never missed when he, you know, he never gave anything easy. Right. Um, I mean, 
there are, I don't want to get into the whole error thing sure. because there there are numerous ways that an error can can be forced um, that is not you know in that moment readily visible to whoever is scoring, which by the way the person that is scoring is often someone unpaid and not paying attention. But anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll do the whole error thing, and I'll bring our entire audience on board with me <laughs> that that errors should just be errors. But don't get me wrong, y'all. I mean, I love errors. That's the way that most yeah. points are scored in tennis. Errors, they're great. Um, and I think actually talking about that, Novak is pretty much the king of sizing up his opponent both before and during the match and figuring out where am I going to get my errors? Mm -hmm. You know, what, what wing, what way, and if one way is not working, you can bet he's going to find the other way. You could almost draw a color-coded map of the court. I mean, I think that's the thing in tennis to think of what parts of the court can I hit into safely and what parts are danger. And when you played someone, he and Anderson are the same age and they played each other many, many times. I think it was nine and two coming in. So this was their 12th match and just very familiar. I mean, it's funny. And that's, that's where I think at all levels of the game, that's very much the case. That's where the dynamic is very similar. It's like, I know you, I know your ball and gee, you're a little older now. You're a little slower. Kevin Anderson, never known as the fastest person. So there are lots of parts of the court where Djokovic could safely hit the ball. And, you know, Anderson's fine, a good player. But again, this is, this is the type of guy, this is the peer level guy who isn't as good. And he's not as good as he once was. And Novak's getting better. I mean, that's the amazing thing about the three is how they're better than they were. They're not just holding territory. They're better. And they keep competing. And people like Anderson, again, between the injuries and just the overall approach to the game, particularly the... Um, the two flat forehands and the kind of intriguing, what, the world's tallest baseliner? <laughs> Big sir, uh, although I was shocked, Joel. I, I was watching the match and I was thinking, did he hear me and Joel? Because especially early on in the match, he was approaching and coming in a lot. It just wasn't working for him. Well, but at least he did. And this is where we talked about this before. And we can talk about this again with Gasquet. We talked this about when Gasquet played Nadell. Yep. He played someone 8, 10, 15 times and had minimal success, I don't even call it rolling the dice. I call it just emptying the bucket. You gotta do something. Otherwise it's that, what's the definition of insanity, right? Where you do the same thing again and again and expect the same, a different result. So good yeah. for Anderson, but then of course it's like, whoa, center court Wimbledon versus Novak, the tough place to trot out some innovation. Yeah, I agree with with a lot of those themes and we can get into them with, with Federer at Gasquet as well, because a lot of the same stuff applies. But the last thing I kind of want to hit on with Novak is what he started his press conference with and something we discussed coming into the tournament, which is that this, this pattern of winning Roland Garros in 2016 was, uh, was a difficult pattern because he uh, lost the spark as soon as he won Roland Garros. And I think at this point, it's just, it's very clear that this is not going to happen again. And Novak learned from that experience in 2016 and uh, just is is very much at the the top of, of his focus right now. Absolutely, very much so. I mean, that was a different case. He'd won the French for the first time, and yeah, that was a little different five years ago. And then, um, but this, he seems like you said, Amy. He's just he's just dialed right in. 
Yeah. I, speaking of press conferences, if I could just jump in with regard to Novak, um, I was really surprised yesterday after the Andy Murray match, which was a great match. This guy, Oscar Atta, is asked about the greats, and he, he basically took a shot at Novak, saying, well, Federer is my goat um, because he is always classy and he doesn't create controversies off the court. I, I was like, first of all, who are you? <laughs> and uh, and and to me, just personally as a fan and a, an observer of the sport, I think what Novak is doing um, off the court, which is creating some controversies, although I think he's doing it for the betterment of the sport, is incredibly difficult. I mean, Oscar, try doing that. I mean, try to maintain your level and win while still engaging in other things off the court, you know, for for reasons that are, um, you know, wanting tennis to be better. It's very difficult. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly uh, bold to to for him to to dip his toe into uh, into a topic like that, especially with. Uh, with the take that, that he ultimately ended up having it, having. Um, so I don't know. I think, I think you said it all, Amy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Federer uh, gets through in, in straight sets as well. Richard Gasquet, that's, um, that's now a 17 to two head to head. And uh, Joel, you covered the match for tennis.com. You guys can check that out. Roger was asked after the match, uh, Feder, how do you feel? Or Roger, how do you feel about, about your level? Is it where you want it to be? And he said, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, is that how, uh, how you left the match uh, feeling? Very much so. And it's interesting, uh, you know, Federer plays two Frenchmen, first two rounds. That's about the only thing they have in common. And uh, in a way, it's kind of funny. Gasquet has the shiny resume, having been to the semis here twice, but Manorino is going to be the more difficult opponent. And he proved that, but these are kind of like, is it non-conclusive or inconclusive? Like they're both TKOs, these matches. I mean, Manorino you know, got hurt, exited after splitting two, four sets. And, uh, and then Gasquet, they played 12 pretty tight games. But to me, those games struck me as kind of more like a, a mutual showcase of, I, here's what I hit, here's what you hit. Oh, that's good. It's almost like, it looked like a practice set. And they probably played yeah. a zillion those two. And then the tiebreak, Federer completely dominated. But even then, he was denied. The, the Gasquet double faulted at one six in the tiebreak. Can I just win a set? Can I just win? like Federer is like, I guess I won that set. I was up six one in the tiebreak, and he double faulted. I mean, I'd, I'd rather win. Wouldn't you rather win the set with a with a point earned? And then Gasquet kind of, he kind of, you know, Federer beats him handily in the get breaks him early in the second, and 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 rolls on. And you know, Gasquet hits his share of dazzlers he i called uh manorino is the aging pest and gasquet is the aging shot maker so federer kind of i think it's very non-conclusive as to what kind of data he's getting now from this, hmm. from this I, I i didn't see that match that way at all the gasquet match i was like okay finally we're getting some sets in here that are federer type sets at wimbledon and I thought that he was very much in command of his serve, which was a good sign. Um, we're used to seeing that at Wimbledon. In fact, toward the, nobody else will have noticed this, but at, toward the end of the second set, when, 
when Federer was in command and it was obviously, he was obviously he was going to win the set, he hit a serve that he was sure was in and so quickly challenged that and he was right. It was called out and he challenged and, and they said, no, it was in. And to me, what it said was he's really starting to take command of his spots because he knows exactly where he's hitting and where it's landing. And that's a really good sign for the serve. And uh, I, I thought he returned well. And, and some of his errors um, that you wouldn't expect him to make just off the ground, um, or even when he was at the net, a couple of uh, little cuts that he took, they really didn't miss by much. They clipped the tape. So overall, I, I thought it was a much more Federer at Wimbledon kind of match. I get that, but I guess to me, this the, the exquisite comfort of playing someone like Gasquet allowed Federer to feel that comfort because he was serving to someone who's probably not going to threaten him too much with a return anyway. Not that he backed off his serve at all as much as he, in other words, his, his a bit, those spots look bigger when you go, when you're not serving to, um, uh, Zverev's two-handed backhand. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. it's 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 quite easy. It's quite easy in pro tennis to um to serve versus a one-handed backhand. I mean, it's you're you're not going to get stung as much. And 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 they're and they're just kind of like again, Gasquet. That's kind of like old home week. It's like okay, you can get a few. That's kind of nice. You can have. I mean, and and Gasquet hit a share size, but it was it was definitely a little bit more of a composed Federer package. There weren't hiccups. He dominated the tiebreaker, which is. Mm -hmm because he he didn't flounder in the tie break and and he then broke open the match and consolidated his break but again i think it's such a that's such a mat it's such a strange matchup and remember it's a second round where gasquet played nadal and and they, and gasquet made his big push in the second set of this match in this case he made it in the first set this of that um i i hope gasquet plays novak in the second round of the us open so we can have kind of <laughs> the, the, the titan then, the trio, then we'll the get him trio. on the show well, yeah, it sounds to me, Joel, like you had kind of pronounced this a TKO before the match was even played just by virtue of the competition, who he well, was, it was playing. But it, it kind of is with so Gaz K, let me let me have uh grab the stat here. Gaz K hasn't won a set off of any of our three in a very long time. He's O for his last 42 in sets. He doesn't win sets against these guys. So I, I get, I get where Joel's coming from here. You know, it's just not, it's normally not a match. But, but Roger then took care of business. I mean, you well, can't criticize too, Roger. Right. No, I agree. I agree. I'm not criticizing. I'm not criticizing, no. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm not criticizing. I'm just not giving him. Okay, I, I don't like to do these too often. I'm not giving him an an A and even an A minus for this effort. I'm I'm not going to oh, do that. That's not, tough. That's really <laughs> tough. I mean, I know, but I just all think, you can do is play the person in front of you. No, I, I don't well, know. no but that's that's and true. He played that's it well. He he definitely played it well. But but I don't I, do. You, I wouldn't feel like I would say, "Oh yes, now I see Roger, baby's back." Like for example, I would have right. felt that more. I would have believed that more if he had gone into a fifth set with Manorino and won it, no matter how he had won it, whether it was seven five with the grit or six two with the dominance. But with this Gasquet, it's kind of like, yeah, you played that, that the tiebreaker. That was a pretty good revealer. And then, you know, Gasquet, second set, he's serving 0-1-40 love. And then, he, and then he gets to break point. And what betrays Gasquet? The pet backhand shanks the backhand. It's like, oh, I mean, I felt, 
bad for Gasquet because now it's kind of like he's just kind of like, okay, now Federer's up a set in two love, and it's that kind of Pete Sampras territory. I win the first set, I get the early break in the second, and I'm pretty much going to more or less steamroll you. And then he did. So, yeah, Federer played well, but I think the, the interactive aspect, and that's why I think maybe you know, when we look at these, the next matchup for Federer, that's going to be really interesting. Then yes. I think we're going to know. Then yes. we'll know. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, yes. Nori does a, does a little bit more things, and we'll, we will get into that. But um, I, I do want to talk about one thing that happened in the match, which I just found fascinating. So I haven't seen this very often, but it was early in the second set and Federer hit an overhead from the baseline and mm-hmm. Gasquet hit a backhand down the line winner off of Federer's overhead. It was as cleanly struck as you'll see. That's why Gasquet has millions of views on his backhand compilations on, on YouTube. Um, but then Gasquet served to Federer's backhand on the very next point and Federer hit his hardest, cleanest backhand return of the entire match. And from that point on, whenever Roger had a backhand, he would absolutely smoke it. And then admitted after the match that Gazke's down-the-line backhand inspired him. Could you imagine <laughs> that, Richard Gazke? That's your reward for hitting an unbelievable shot. You inspired your opponent. I believe he had 40 love after that. And, and, you know, yeah, look at me. I can hit a gorgeous <laughs> backhand. And then didn't Roger win that game? He did. <laughs> I mean, so Federer, this becomes like a, this becomes like a practice session. That's what Federer, it's, it's all, it's all good. I mean, I think, I think these guys, I mean, Gasquet's a fascinating player. I mean, he's had a excellent career. He's been a top 10 player. He's had a, sustainable career but then you see like you said you go up against these 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 three and it's interesting about everything from the the homogenous surfaces to their skill and it makes them pretty impregnable pretty <laughs> impregnable that the guy like SK it's not like it's not like he has a style that got him on the clay compared to the grass it's just kind of okay I I put up a good set against Rafa I put up a good set against Roger yeah well uh Federer now is one uh uh, another stat for you, 55 consecutive sets against Gazkay. I think that's the thing. Uh, it's it's not that he doesn't have good win-loss records. It's that he normally doesn't doesn't win any sets. Uh, anyway, let's let, let's uh, go on to the previews. And uh, for Novak, next up is uh, Dennis Kudla, someone he played in 2019 at Wimbledon, beat him in straights, then played him a little bit uh, later on that year at the U S open and also beat him in straights. And the closest set Dennis has ever had to Novak is six, four. I don't know. I mean, one interesting thing is that Kudla's best shot. His favorite shot is the backhand down the line. So he's uh, twins with Novak in that way. Yeah. I think it's going to be kind of interesting. Kudla's played his best tennis on grass. He loves grass. If that, if they could play on grass, I think about, uh, you know, if, if, as Amy's talked about a longer grass season, then it would be Dennis Kudla. He'd, he'd like that. He'd like, he'd like a longer grass season, but uh, he got a good backhand, been to the 16s here. I think, I think that's going to be 
interesting, but again, as we pointed out, um, Novak is so, so solid right now. I am like disagreeing up and down with Joel today. <laughs> I mean, it's people have to understand Joel is like a brother to me. We are the best of friends, but I disagree with him today. I don't think it's going to be interesting <laughs> at all. You think it's going to get slaughter? You think yes. it's going to? You think Kuba's yeah. going to win no more than how many games is Kuba going to win? I don't like to do predict. That. I don't like to predict. Okay. Uh, but okay. I, a score like one, two, and three wouldn't be too off the mark for what I think could happen. And I guess you know, there'll be some interesting rallies. Yeah, I'm sorry. Even even the organizers didn't put this one on center because it's like, come on. <laughs> But no disrespect to Kula. And, and I know that um, I, I've seen him play uh, challenger events and he's a really good player. I just think he's overmatched in this one. Oh, no, I, I don't think he's I don't think I don't think of him as possibly being able to win the match. I think there'll be some interesting rallies more than there were for Anderson. OK, fair enough. I think Kula in the text of the rallies, I don't know about score. I think kind of the, the way she's going to push him. It's, a, it's I think I think Kula on grass is how would I put it. It's a little like Tennis Sandgren is in Australia. You know, like this is more his place where he can do and Tennis Sandgren can make his move. I, I don't think of Kudla as a great player. I think the more interesting one, the more interesting one is the Federer-Nori match. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, you know, for Kudla, it is like everything's relative. Uh, I think all all tennis hipsters and all very close followers of tennis know, oh, Kudla, the grass specialist. And like just with that, it's... You know, there are, there are levels to it. The reason Kudla's a grass specialist is because he can make the third round at Wimbledon and he can't really do that at the other slams. Certainly couldn't do that at Roland Garros, right? That's why he's a grass specialist. He's not a grass specialist because he's making the semis at Wimbledon. No, right. He's yeah. a grass specialist. We're great. We're great on a curve, yes. right? That's right. Boy, do we ever. We, we really <laughs> great. And, and all of all tennis fans grade on a curve. It's, it's oh, at least ours is analytical. I think some other fans I talked to grow purely emotional. We try to like give, give proper to everyone. I mean, there's yes. some other people who just want to see these people as this like literal cannon fodder. And they're, they're mad that they're even intruding on their eventual Novak Roger, Roger Rafa or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I would agree. But you know, the the challenger guys are, are are doing great this year, I feel like. All the guys come out. Anyway, um, okay, Federer Cam Nori. It is their first meeting. Nori is a lefty, similar to Adrian Manorino, has some similar qualities. The backhand is very flat. He keeps it low. He doesn't really miss it very often. The forehand is very different, though. Heavy topspin, more racket speed. Uh, but someone who, who works very, very hard, and he's having an incredible year. But outside of that, he's like Manorino. So I yes. think he's different than that. <laughs> I mean, I think he's, he's got a little bit more um, pop to his thing going lately, you know, because he's – and again, he's – this is the arc of the player, and it's interesting how these three have witnessed so many of these arcs. They've watched these people go from being children – to parents, to grandparents, you know, Milos Raonic, where have you gone? Where are you? And, and Thomas Burdick. And so now along comes a guy like Nori who vaulted 40 spots up the rankings this year and uh, had a couple of set points on the Dow. So he's a little bit more like, hmm, where, what's the limit yet? See, with the other guys, what we saw with Anderson and Gasquet, oh yeah, I know your limit. This is your limit. This is your winner count. So this is your deal. You got some serves, Kevin. You got some backhands, Richard. But Nori, hmm, British crowd, center court. 
I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting. That's going to be interesting as a as a match. That's going to be more interesting than the Novak Kudla match as a as a match. Could, Federer knows that too. It could be a real litmus test to see what Federer's got. Um, in in some ways, Nori reminds me of Kepfer because they both went to college. They're both lefties. And they both just work their tails off, you know, that it, there's, it's not going to be any, you know, like today I saw Gasquet just not run for a few things. Uh, you're not going to get that with Nori. So um, I agree. I, I think this one's going to be fascinating and, and I'm nervous, but in a good way, because I think the atmosphere is going to be sensational. Oh, that crowd is going to be torn. They've got a, a British player. But they've also got the the, the longstanding of the club champ. I mean, the guy who's won it eight times. So uh, yeah, and and he's going to do some things. I mean, there'll come some moments. There'll come some moments, just like uh, just like in uh, in Djokovic's first round match, right, where he's playing Draper. There'll come some moments where Nori's going to be the king of the world. I mean, he's going to crack some shots. He's going to hit a forehand. He's going to hit an overhead, and something's going to happen, and the crowd's going to yell, and and we'll see how Roger buys with that differently than like in Paris when in the second round he played Chilich, in the second round he played Gasquet, my familiar friend. Now you're right. I, I like that comparison you made. Yeah, the Saturday versus a new young opponent. Mm-hmm. I actually think that, and and look, I'm, I know about tennis. I'm not a sports sociologist, so I could be totally off on this. I actually think the crowd will be with Federer uh, because yeah. I think there will be a prevailing sense like, okay, okay, I'm like, we're going to be rooting for you for the next decade on this court. But Roger, you know, the time is, uh, t- the clock is ticking. So I actually think the, the crowd's going to be pro Roger. You guys agree? agree? Yeah, but you know how the Brits are. Like, they'll politely applaud for just about anybody. Um, so I, Nori will get a standing ovation even if he loses. Um, but I think yeah. if, you, if you had like a decibel meter on there, then the cheers are going to be ever so slightly l- louder for Roger. I agree. I think I think that's right. I mean, he'll get his local applause, but it's not going to become. It's the same way, by the way, that I think would happen if, let's say, Federer played um, uh, John Isner in a U.S. Open final. I think more people would be rooting for Federer than an American. That's not. I think one. And I think one of the great things about tennis is the way it transcends borders. That it's not always as simple as my country's player right or wrong. It's more a matter of, okay, the guy. Yeah, and, and no question, Federer. I mean. But Nori, they're, they're fair crowd. They're fair crowd. It's yes. not going to become this Davis Cup partisan thing. Right. Um, key to the match for me, Federer's backhand return against Manorino. He was, uh, who, who actually stands really out wide on the ad side, which is kind of neat. And then generally hits his, his slicer very wide. And Federer was hitting his, uh, I wouldn't even call it a, a block return because, you know, he really slices it. He doesn't just block it. He, he cuts at it. And it really wasn't working at all. The return was misfiring. Manorino's plus one play was actually pretty good. And Federer said as much. Against Gazquet, Roger was hitting over the backhand return. I'm curious to see what it looks like against Nori. Obviously, the lefty is going to serve to Roger's backhand a lot. And to me, that shot is the key to the match. The cross-court backhand return from a Federer versus a righty has far more margin, whether it's blocked, whether he drives it, or chips it, he's going to be in. Le- getting back to our Novak map of the court, he's in less trouble when he when a righty serves his backhand in the ad court. He gets the return cross court, probably 
be a really okay thing. But then the lefty, back to the forehand, it's a different thing. I mean, he knows this from his Nadal experience. So I guess, I guess the question will be how he takes measure of the Nori serve on the grass and how that, how that connects for him, right? And, and how the quality of Nori's serve, his ability to back it up and his ability. And, and that's one of the things that's really neat about Federer and these players, how they kind of measure the time and the calibration. It's happening so fast and they're able to adjust to it and, and take it in. I'll be yeah. interested to see that. That was a good point, Gil, about Federer slicing versus coming over the ball on the backhand side. I'll be interested to see what Roger does more. F put aside the return for a second, but just on the rally, um, because you know that ball is going to be coming to Federer's backhand, um, and and you would think that on this surface he would slice quite a bit, but you're right. He came over it. I would, I would think more today. He did. I think he wants to drive it, but see, I think it's also, there's two things going on. One is yes. Okay. What's the single tactic that beats Cam Nori, but more importantly, what's the single tactic that helps you win the tournament? So how do I employ that enough? And if that, if the tournament winning play is working, such as driving the backhand, that instead of just getting through this match, then that's then then that's going to be good enough. Then the the, the slice answers if we're like okay okay set all two four got to come up with a plan B something else to disrupt this guy. But I think the um I think Federer I mean Federer these last we've seen the last four years is far more committed to driving the backhand than he used yeah. to be. So, you know that's got to be he's got to kind of live in that pace space. And and I know I I understand that um not not to bring it to banal, but as a slice, as a someone who can hit, hits both those backhands, if you slice too much a little times, it kind of, it's like lobbing returns and doubles. You get a little too passive. You can get yeah. passive. Mm -hmm. It can make it, it can, and you take, you start taking balls later that can happen. Mm -hmm. so, totally. so it's, so I think it's important for Federer. He knows, okay, drive it, step in, go. And, and then it, and then that activates the forehand also. Yes, and and he gave a good interview to Chris McKendry at ESPN today, and he actually talked about that against Manorino. He thought the slow stuff would would set up the aggression, so he was going slow, slow, slow. Wait for my chance to attack, and he said against Gazke, he changed the tactic. None of that hit through, you know, swing fast because he didn't, you know, it wasn't in the game plan against Gazke to hit that that slow stuff and and the backhand slice. So it's interesting. Hey, uh, Germany, uh, excuse me, not Germany. Spain against Switzerland in the Euros. I think it's tomorrow. Uh, that's Federer against Nadal. Do you think? Uh, let's get predictions for that. Can we predict soccer? I know we don't predict tennis. <laughs> I don't predict anything. I've actually, I try not to predict anything. I, I, I try not to predict anything. I, uh, <laughs> no. what, what, you got something? Okay, okay. Joel, yeah. predict, if, predict if there's going to be any texts between Federer and Nadal. Can we predict that? Or no, Still no predictions. What, if they're going to send a, a, a text back? Will there be will there be some WhatsApp action? Yeah, yeah, that's tomorrow. It's it's Federer's off day, so yes. Okay, they'll exchange some notes, and Rafa will be watching it. Okay, okay, well, that's so fine. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna end on that. All right, we promise um, tennis on the next show. We're gonna talk about tennis. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of Three. Remember, we're available on all podcast platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you like the video, leave a comment, and subscribe. We'll see you next time on the next episode of Three.